Hello, everybody, and welcome to What Am I Missing, the podcast where I attempt to fill in the gaps of my knowledge through conversations with friends. I'm your host, Brett Walden, and today I am talking to Zachary Simpson about Barbershop. Zach is one of the few guests that have come recommended to me. Um, I received messages um, after, I guess, some people had talked to Zach on a road trip uh, regarding his knowledge of Barbershop, and they wrote back to me and said, you've got to have this guy on your show. And because I knew Zach and I knew he was a good guy, I decided to follow up on that, and uh, I'm really glad I did. This is a very interesting conversation, and it gets uh, it gets in the weeds a bit, which is, um, which is the kind of thing that I just live for. Um, there is something up top that I do want to address. Because we did record this episode in the past. We do reference the Nebraska Cornhusker football team a bit. Uh, we were very excited for the first game to start. Unfortunately, hindsight being what it is, we now know that that first game on the on September 1st got rained out, so it never happened. So we showed a lot of enthusiasm and excitement for something that ultimately never happened, and then um, as of their second week first game officially versus the Colorado Buffaloes um they also lost that too so uh you know take the enthusiasm with a grain of salt we were young we were naive we didn't know what was about to happen uh and quite frankly I long for that time again when I don't know what the next two weeks were to hold for that fresh-faced young boy and his um interviewee that he's about to talk about barbershop for a long time. Uh, But anyway, enjoy the episode, please. And as always, there's a sneak preview of episode 14 coming out next Monday at the very end of the show. But enough preamble. Let's say goodbye to our Coney Island babes with Zachary Simpson. Take it away, Anthony. You ready to start? Let's do it. All right, let's get started. Everybody, welcome to the show. I'm very excited um, for a few reasons. One, because I get to have another interesting conversation with a really cool guy, which we'll get to in a minute. If you read the title of the show before you downloaded it, you already know what's coming. I've got Zach here. Everyone, um, say hello. Okay, that was an invitation for you to say hello, not for them to say hello to you. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was waiting for them to he say hello. He waited for he waited for you to say hello. So if you're in your car saying hello to the show, you did exactly what Zach wanted you to do. <laughs> um, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I'm excited because uh, we are we have not broken our streak of having it rain. Yeah. As soon as the recording starts, um, so that's that's unbroken. It was pouring on my way in. So. It was sunny and hot right up until the point. That you got here, and then all of a sudden the skies opened up. So I don't know what that means. I think it just—I think they want a cozy atmosphere for us to. I think that's what it is for us to do this. Um, and the third thing, and you can't see us, and this show is coming out in the future, but it's September first, which means it's game day. Game day, baby! The Nebraska Huskers playing tonight. Both Zach and I, huge fans. You're from Nebraska, right? Yo, yeah. Where yep. at? Uh, I'm actually I. Grew up in Scottsbluff, Nebraska, but I moved to Omaha, Nebraska when I was a freshman in high school. But perfect, always in Nebraska. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, same. If you've listened to the show before, you know that I am also a lifelong fan, and so I'm very excited on this day in particular to be talking to a fellow Husker. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully, what's going to happen tonight will play itself out so that our um, excitement is is justified. <laughs> Shouldn't be too hard. I don't think so. Shouldn't be. We got a new coach, new. We got it. We got a whole new game plan. 
So anyway, um, yeah, so we're all decked out in our red right now in our scarlet and cream. Um, and we're going to talk about... Barbershop. Barbershop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is not something that um, necessarily I've thought about a lot, but I've certainly uh, uh, heard about it, know a little bit about it. You know, wanted to give the listeners a history of that. Um, and then I had have you to clean up anything. It may be a short episode. I may nail it all. So we'll see. Uh, but first... I just wanted to, uh, I, got, I got a response on iTunes, um, actual five-star review here that I wanted to read out loud, see what you think. All right, let's um, it. It's from Joseph Pesci, which may or may not be a fake name. <laughs> that sounds, uh, sounds pretty official. <laughs> it's pretty legit. I feel like Joe Pesci would probably write his real name. Joseph. Yeah, his full name. It says, great podcast for me to poop on. Five stars. Remember when Triumph the Insult Comic Dog would go around saying that about everything? Simpler times. This podcast is not one of those things for me to poop on. In fact, I would actively go out of my way to not poop on this podcast because I like it a lot. That's good. Really? A lot. I guess you could call it a podcast for me to poop off. Okay. That, now that is a compliment bye that bye. I think is, is just going to go ahead and be in my regular vocabulary. For me just, to poop off. Just to poop off. Yeah. Oh, that was great. I'm not going to poop on that. Does that make you happier or sadder that you're on this show? Happier. You, you feel good yeah, about it? Yeah, that, cool. I, I've got a whole new you know, term to put in my vocabulary. Yeah. You I see? Like that. You learn something too. Speaking Sorry. of learning, let's get into this um, barbershop thing. So uh, for those of you listening who don't know, um, you know, one of the, one of the classic barber, um, barber bits of trivia that everybody likes to talk about is the pole. Yeah. Uh, because the barber also used to be like the the village dentist. Yeah, actually, that's true. Right? And so the idea is that the pole is red and white to signify that, right? Mm-hmm. And then some stories are like, oh, they'd put the white pole in the mouth of the person getting their teeth done and they would bleed on it and that would, you know, and so it's meant to represent that. Little known fact, though, is yeah. that Sometimes the pole wasn't enough of a distraction, mm. and so they would bring people in to sing at the same time. So while somebody's getting their teeth pulled out, they would be listening, and then over time, it wasn't enough for one voice, so they started adding two, and then three, and eventually they got up to four. Complex harmonies, all yeah. sorts of things, um, so that you're really focused on... That. What is this sound? Rather than, you know... Yeah. Your root canal. And so that's kind of how barbershop quartets got started, was in the medieval times, um, in order to uh, to keep people from thinking about how um, awful their, their, their pain was. Um, am I close? Uh, I'd, give, I'd give it like a 25% close. That's not close at all. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the story? What am I missing? Okay, so uh, you're—I mean, you were right it, with the barbershop, you know. Yeah. Um, it started a little bit, you know, in the mid 1800s or so is when barbershop quartet, you know, singing started to become a little bit more popular, mm-hmm. and uh, it started with, you know, just um, in the back of the barbershop uh, parlors and whatnot would be um, some African American guys with a guitar, 
plucking out some chords and everything. And they'd be like, oh, that's a great chord. Hold that chord. Now, what, what are we singing here? What are we figuring out? And mm-hmm. then they would build arrangements around that and sing songs around that. And eventually it would it would go, uh, kind of bleed into the barbershop and then actually out into the streets. And, you know, it just it was a very popular style of music in the late 1800s and the beginning of the, the 1900s. So was it so it so it actually did start in barbershops? More or less. Yeah, that's where, you know, you'd go there and while you were waiting for to get your shave or your haircut, mm-hmm. um, the barbers or even you, you'd just sing songs to pass the time. And it was always barbershop music. Wow. So was it traditional? I mean, I know you, you kind of hinted at it, but was it traditionally then African-American barbershops that it was sort of happening? in? Um, yeah, for the most to part. To begin with? Yeah. Um, they, uh, the African-American community really brought barbershop from its roots and, and made it into the popular uh, genre that it was back in those days. And then it just kind of bled into the inner cities and it just kind of bled through the country as well. Um, th- that type of harmony, that type of four-part, you know, tight harmony was a, was a thing before that. You know, mm-hmm. it was in churches and certain choral pieces and whatnot. But um, the specific four-person, four-part with... Um, there's a couple very distinctive chords uh, that are specifically sung in barbershop. That yeah, w- um, what are those chords? So uh, a bit the 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 most significant chord for a barbershopper is the dominant seven chord. Mm-hmm. So um, for if you if for those listening, if you understand music, you have your root, your third, your fifth, and then your flat seven, and that is a dominant seven chord, and that is very particular to barbershop. Okay. Um, and you would normally do that chord and then resolve the chord into the root of the entire key. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. But uh, but yeah, so it, it's barbershop music is known for that kind of, that dominant seven. It's really tense and, and, and whatnot, and then it releases to whatever chord you have coming next. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that. And then the other distinctive thing about barbershop music is the obsession of ringing and locking chords so if four four voices um or four parts sing their part absolutely perfect Mm -hmm. and the 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 notes are absolutely perfect the chord will lock and ring and you'll start to hear other notes being emitted uh because of the sound waves oh wow so uh it's so that's kind of the that's the goal that is the goal and when you hear it you really you want more of it. It's like, uh, it's almost like a drug. Sure. Um, it's, uh, you know, basic simple, uh, or basic physics of sound is if you have the, the same frequency going or the same amount of frequency going through four different parts, it'll bounce off of each other and create other frequencies, mm. creating overtones and undertones and whatnot. Um, and that's, uh, they call it singing with the angels. There's, there's another voice. There's four people obviously only singing, but you hear more voices than there are. Right, that's singing. what I was going to say. So you you actually have the possibility of it sounding much fuller or like there was more people involved than absolutely. just before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's, there's a lot of people that kind of dismiss the fact that there are actual undertones. Undertones are kind of a, a concept that people don't really think exist, but... Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a few guys that I know of, um, especially one that works over at Disney World, who um, there's a video of it, of him singing this barbershop song, 
And at the end of the song, they sing their last chord and you can hear a voice that's very, very much like an octave underneath the entire quartet and no one else is singing it. So wow, I think it's, it's visual proof. Yeah. It's like the Sasquatch. Why don't people think that it exists? There's just a, uh, um, it's a, it's a, it's some kind of theoretical, I don't know the exact reason, but I know that it's, it's some kind of theater, theoretical, um, proof. They don't, they don't understand. They don't think that there's actual proof of it. Uh, theoretically or or physically is it when just, there's videos of it that's that are very obvious that no one's singing certain notes that right you know i don't know there's some people are just skeptics. is it not measurable by like scientific equipment no not really okay overtones you can you can hear and and with overtones you know with uh you know monks that sing and whatnot they can create their own overtones mm-hmm. you know we can create our own overtones it's very easy to do an overtone um, yeah, Speak but the undertone yourself. is, is, <laughs> uh, but the undertone is, 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 uh, something of a, something of a Sasquatch type. Wow. Yeah. Even though there's video of it, people just, yeah. they don't believe it. I, it, there's discussion boards that I'm on that talk about it. And I specifically post the video on from YouTube. Yeah. Just like, listen to this at this time marker and you'll see exactly what it is. And do people still, they yeah. watch it and they go, nope. Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. I was like, okay, well. <laughs> All right, that's fascinating. But yeah, but anyway, back to barbershop. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so it started out through, uh, you know, in the early 1900s, it was a very big popularized music for art form, and um, they'd sing it in barbershop quartets. You know, kids would get together, sing at a saloon or at a barbershop quartet, and they just or at a barbershop, pass a hat around, get money from it, and just yeah. kind of you know, whatever. Um, but it wasn't until 1938, um that a man by the name of O.C. Cash and his acquaintance at the time, Rupert Hall, uh, they met at uh, in, a, in a hotel in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And uh, they both were uh, fans of Barbershop. And at that time, it wasn't quite as popular as it once was. It was kind of starting to fade away a little bit. Um, and they were like, hey, you know, we really w- kind of want to bring this art form back. And those two men were from Tulsa. So they said, you know, when we get back to Tulsa, Oklahoma... We're going to, you know, invite a bunch of guys over and we're going to sing some good old barbershop songs. Yeah. And so August, uh, April 11th, 1938, they get together at um, in Tulsa and they have a bunch of guys there and they sing. And that was that's uh, deemed the first day of the society that is now the barbershop society. Oh. Um, but back then they wanted to make fun. They were kind of making fun of FDR and his New Deal acronyms. Uh-huh. So they wanted a really long acronym to go along with the name of their barbershop society. <laughs> so they were called SPEBSQUA. Okay. And that's the Society and Preservation and Encouragement of Barbershop Quartet Singing in America. Wow. Yeah. So it's a long one. From the beginning, they kind of had a tongue-in-cheek sense of humor about Ab- everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing that made barbershop very popular was vaudeville shows. So it was... Barbershop as as a when people thought of barbershop, it was very campy, really vaudevillian mm-hmm. um, type show. So the fact that it was called Spebsqua from the beginning just kind of <laughs> lended itself to barbershop as, as a whole at the time. Yeah. Um, but that was the first kind of meeting. That was the first chapter meeting. Um, now we have thousands of chapters all over the world. Uh, in the United uh, the United States and Canada alone, we have 17 different districts. Okay. Um, is it still called Spebsqua? It is not called Spebsqua uh. anymore. It's called the uh, Barbershop Harmony Society. They shortened it a bit. 
That's boring. Yeah, I know. I still have a big sign in my in my studio that says Spebsqua. Do you really? I do. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so a year after that, a little bit, little later in uh, June of 1939, they actually had their very first international barbershop quartet competition. Um, a year later? A year later. Okay. Um, it wasn't, Who were they competing against? <clears throat> just just, just uh, themselves? Just random quartets from across the... It, was, it wasn't really international. It was more like America. Whoever they could find. Yeah. yeah. And O.C. Cash personally would send invitations to people he knew who sang barbershop. Okay. And, and was like, hey, get a quartet together. Come on down to Tulsa and we're going to put this... So it was, still, it was kind of falling out of favor, but there were still groups who yeah. were practicing it. Mm-hmm. O.C. Cash just kind of made it a little more official... In yeah. terms of, it, I I, th- I would kind of equate it to like if somebody today, even though the music is still pretty popular, but if somebody wanted a huge resurgence of like music from the seventies, mm-hmm. like we we need to we need to bring it back all right. of it, right? And then they put together the society of disco. rock bands, yeah. and disco, and they'd still be able to find people who could play like a sick bass. Oh yeah. Yeah. Disco, like, electric. Okay. So so they weren't competing with each other. They knew of other groups out there. They just hadn't, they just hadn't made it as official as these yes. two, these two boys from Tulsa. Absolutely. Yeah. White guys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All, just, just making that clear. At this point, it's, it's all, <laughs> it's going to be white until yeah. we get. That's kind of the history about of. the 90s or. That's the history so. of music in a nutshell, isn't it? Pretty much. Um, Before we get too much further, though, I do have a question about yeah. that, that I you may or may not be able to ask, but um, it sort of. So it's kind of started in these um, in these uh, in the back of the barber shops mm-hmm. uh, with these African Americans, and then um, it sounds like a few decades passed before kind of the resurgence of it. Yeah. Did it ever go through? You kind of mentioned vaudeville. Did it ever go through a, a phase um, of like minstrelsy or anything like that, where you know, like. It was kind of appropriated by uh, the white uh, population, but sort of in a in a in a mocking tone, or was it just was it ever like just kind of left alone? No, it it was it was always it was always for it was always for the cheerfulness of it. Mm-hmm. The the one of the things about barbershop is just that we sing it for the wholesomeness of it. The the it's it's very um, there's a lot of camaraderie with it nowadays anyway. Yeah. Um, even back then there's a lot of camaraderie with it and singing it and enjoying, just enjoying the music that not only do you get to hear, but you're actually helping produce what you're hearing as you sing it. So I think it was always for the enjoyment and love of barbershop. That's um, good. it was never really any type of mockery of it or anything. Yeah. But yeah. Good. Yeah. What a, what a rare thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so he so he finds all these other groups. He invites them to compete. Yes. So, uh, June 1939, they have their very first competition, and uh, it was just a little weekend thing in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and a group called the Bartlesville Barflies win for the very first time. They're the very first quartet to ever win the international, well, the national, I guess we'll say, sure. national competition. <laughs> um, and so every every year after that, they've had a competition every single year. So wow. uh, next year will be the 80th anniversary of the competition. Um, this last year was uh, the 80th anniversary of the actual society. Oh yeah. So um, so yeah, every single year they have their competition, and uh, the competitions nowadays have three different categories. There's mm. a music category, which is um, they're 
for lack of a better word, they're like music nerds and they can they can hear every chord and know exactly what you're singing chord-wise, what kind of chord it is, what key it's in, you know, whatever. Um, and there is a specific uh, amount of dominant seventh chords mm-hmm. that you need in a barbershop song to make it a barbershop song. Okay. That, and it has to be homophobic with um, singing the same words throughout the song. So mm-hmm. um, there are times where, you know, the lead will sing a few things and the bass and the baritone will sing something else. But as long as most of the music they're saying, they're saying the same words, they're singing the same words, you're good to go. Okay. Um, so that's music. Uh, the other one is singing. So just how well you sing. Um, if you're out of tune, if you're not pitching, if you're pitchy, if you're not tuning right, if you don't sound good when you sing, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of their, their realm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it used to be presentation is what it used to be called, but nowadays we're calling it performance. Uh, they want to see how you emote the song and see if you can um, portray the emotion that you're singing about, whether it be happy or sad or whatnot. And um, so we went from presentation where it was kind of just like cut and dry. How many stripes are on your hat? Yeah, like right. You know, now it's like they want they want to see you perform a piece rather right. than just present present it. Yeah, because when I think of barbershop, I think <clears throat> of um, stripes. Yep. And I think of a lot of like getting down on one knee mm-hmm. and shaking your hat at the end of the song. And that was and and honestly, that income like that is the presentation category and what it used to be. Right. And now with the pre- uh, performance, they don't want to see they'll. you know somebody saw that and realized oh we've been doing this for way too long right yeah Yeah. and and that and that honestly is a change as of like two years ago okay so um maybe three um my timeline might be a little bit off on that but yeah that's been a very recent change so they're looking to get away from that type of presentation of it all and and really getting into performancing or performancing performing at all uh, just because, you know, at internationals nowadays, there's 50 plus quartets mm-hmm. that are, uh, all competing. And so with that old standard, seeing this, like the barbershop for like <laughs> 50 times a day, I'm sure the judges wanted to. Sure. And I assume leave. nowadays it is way more international. There's y- yes. groups from all over the oh, world. Yeah. It's way more international. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in a second. Okay, sorry, sorry. sorry, sorry. No, that, that's that's my fault. I keep moving forward. Nope. Okay. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna flash forward a little bit. So it's it's becoming you know more of a popular little niche thing mm-hmm. uh, with barbershop. Everybody still in, kind of enjoys it. You know, we're more or less in the 40s and 50s, where big bands and like actual singing is is very popular. Yeah. Um, so. In the 50s, uh, The Music Man came out, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Meredith Wilson put in a barbershop quartet in his, mu- his musical, The Music Man. Have you ever seen The Music Man? I have, yes. Okay. So, uh, when it went to Broadway, um, a quartet by the name of The Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. uh, were the first quartet to sing on Broadway, and they were actually the ones in the movie. Have you ever seen the movie? A uh, long time ago, yeah. yeah. with... Uh, Ron Howard and Shirley, whatever the heck her name is. Um, but yeah, so they were in that movie and it really, that really moved Barbershop from being niche at the time anyway, mm-hmm. to really putting it in the forefront of a lot of different 
corners of the country of just specifically our country and right. as it was shipped around the world to show other people the music man it was also moved around right um, people who may not have experienced it before all of a sudden yeah could be seeing it for the first time absolutely kind of going what the hell yeah and um and i know that's how the first the first time i ever um actually sang barbershop mm-hmm. i was winthrop in a musical for the music man uh, it's the little boy in Ron Howard's part. <laughs> and um, I heard the quartet singing Barbershop, and I was very interested in it. And we sang what's called a tag, which is the last little bit of the song. It's always like the really, that's the part where everybody loves. That's where they shake their hat. That's where they shake the hat. Yeah. Um, the chords get really nice and juicy and locky. And, and when you sing it with people and it just sounds good, yeah. it's, there's nothing else like it. Yeah. So. Um, oh, and then the bass line. Repeats the last line after everybody else. Yes. And in the, be, 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 yep. Yeah. Perfect. That's I, it. Yep. I'm in it, baby. You're doing good. I, hey. I don't it, even know why I'm here. Can I tell you something? What's that? It's all from the Simpsons episode. <laughs> the B-flats? Yep. Which we're going to have to talk about, but keep going. <laughs> all right. So uh, the Buffalo Bills, um, after, after that, there was a huge resurgence of barbershoppers in the society um, itself. Or surgeons, I guess, just like the the numbers of the number of members went skyrocketing, just because everybody wanted to sing that type of music. Mm-hmm. And um, flash forward just ten years later, a group called the Suntones, when and they are they're on um, oh crap the, uh, it, the it's a big variety show back in those days. Uh, in the fifties, it was it was early sixties. Oh, um, the Beatles were on it. They right when they, they Ed, Ed Sullivan. Sullivan. They were yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. Uh, so the Suntones were on the Ed Sullivan show, bringing Barbershop to an even larger group of people, mm-hmm. and then it started to the society was was becoming a bigger thing at that point. Um, we'll move forward a couple more years to uh, the nineties when. Uh, it's a big leap. It's a big leap. Uh, well, let me ask you this, because yeah, this is something that I was thinking about, because when you, and obviously it's not fully representative of the time, but like when you watch movies that take place in the, in the 1950s, especially, mm-hmm. they'll be walking down the street and there will be that like group on the corner, usually mm-hmm. of like four black guys, and they're always singing and they've always got the hat out. Is that an example of like a, a type of barbershop or what would that? What would that sort of more represent? Barbershoppers used to do that um, back when it was like the popular style of music, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. They would go to the corner, the street corners and sing it. And um, some of them would have a hat out. Some of them just did it for fun. Like a guy going to to work one day was like, oh, look, a couple guys want to sing. Yeah, I'll sing something on my way to work. Yeah. I guess it would be more. I I, I guess the question is um, how closely linked are barbershop and like something like doo-wop or something you know something like motown like do they you know as far as like the harmonies and stuff go i mean is there any sort of like connection there or so barbershop um i might not be saying the word right homophobic where everybody says the same words Mm -hmm. homophobic maybe that's how it is phobic yeah what what i don't know (laughs) It kind of sounds like you're saying homophobic. Yeah, all of the barbershoppers are homophobic. And uh, no. Um, phonic? Homo- homophonic. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Homophonic. Yep. Uh, everybody's saying the same word. That is a big thing with barbershop. With mm-hmm. doo-wop, 
you have one person singing the melody and you have somebody do up do whatever right um and so they're not always singing the same words they're singing um they're almost more of a accompanying part rather than right a group i see what you mean by that yeah okay. so like they're in, imitating an instrument right so 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 in barbershop everybody you're singing different parts as far as like bass baritone that sort of thing but you're still saying the same thing. the words like everybody else is yeah you're you're le- it's it's less like in doo-wop and other forms the, like the bay the, the the low end is more sort of instrumentation almost yeah it the low end is usually boom boom boom, boom right like a like a like a tuba or some kind of bass instrument that keeps the one and the five going right. o- over and over and over again. Got it, got it, got it. Um, but in Barbershop, they still kind of keep that same um, where the notes are. So they might be still singing the one and the five, but they're actually saying words instead of doom. Right. Um, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And We're- I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that, differ- that uh, differentiates the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the dominant seven. There's not a lot of dominant sevens in, in doo-wop. It's all wholesome chord uh, major or minor, whatever it is, but there's not a lot of dominant seven chords in doo-wop. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, and that's the that would be the cool. biggest difference. I think. This is why I have you in. Yeah. So you can answer questions like that. All right. So flash forward to the we're in the '90s now. We're in the '90s now. We're we're we're, jump, we're making a huge jump. Yeah. Um, so in the '90s, that's when um, barbershop is very niche at this time. So it's it's. It's very much my dad did it and his dad did it before him, so now I'm gonna do it. Right. There's not a lot of brand new members that are just you know off the street coming in like, hey, yeah, I heard of Barbershop before. I'm gonna sing it now. Yeah. Um, and that and and that's why we make this jump just because since the '60s it had been slowly kind of dying off. That oh yeah, I know of Barbershop. I'll go sing it. Mm-hmm. It's that is slowly dying off with the. Um, the, the popular music at the time, people were more going towards instrumental music and then, you know, electric with we get, when we get to disco in the 60s. Right. Disco 2019. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, you know, uh, the, the memberships were going down because, you know, one guy would have one son and three daughters. And so he'd have one new member. Right. Rather than the seven new members that came in because they've heard of this thing and they're like, Oh yeah, I'll join barbershop. Um, but at this time, because of this, this, my dad did it and his dad did it before him kind of thing. We have very good barbershoppers. This is, this is the time where, where we go from, you know, good singing groups to some of the best of all time. Yeah. Um, Specifically, 1992, um, uh, 1990, and 1992. Those are t- the two probably greatest quartets of all time. So, in 1990, we had a group called uh, Keepsake, mm-hmm. um, where uh, one of the music directors at Disney, his name is Tony DeRosa, mm-hmm. was 19 years old and he won his first gold medal. So, oh, I didn't, I didn't explain this. No. Oh, let me. Let, okay, <laughs> I keep getting ahead of myself. Yeah. I'm so excited. So, um. At the international competition, there are five medals awarded mm-hmm. to the top five. So you have your bronze for fifth, fourth, and third. Those three get bronze. Okay. Then you get silver for second and gold for first. Um, there's not a, there's not many people, one, that have a gold medal, 
and two have multiple gold medals. Right. So uh, when you win with your quartet, that name and that that specific uh, collection of four guys can never see, compete again. Oh, you can sing, you can go out and do shows, you can you know do whatever you want to do. Right. But you can never compete again. Right. So uh, keepsake um, with Mr. Tony DeRosa. Uh, winning at the age of 19, that was his first gold medal. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lead of that quartet, that was his second gold medal. So, there, you know, um, at this time we're getting the, my dad did it, my dad did it, or his dad did it. And so we're getting very good specific barbershoppers who are able to come out and sing with multiple different quartets and win a couple different times. Yeah. Um, so they win in 1990. Uh, two years later, with uh, 1992, that's Gas House Gang, which is another quartet that is considered the greatest quartet of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is mixed up with guys that my dad did it, my dad did it, his dad did it, uh, with a guy that joined when he was 40. Oh. He was walking He was walking by wherever this barbershop chorus was rehearsing, mm-hmm. heard it, and was like, yeah, I'll go, I'm going to walk in there and sing with them. And then he <laughs> won, like, Eight years later. Wow. Um, so if you win a gold, you you can you can compete, but it's got to be with a whole different makeup of people. Yes. After um, that, uh, one stipulation is you can have one person from your other gold medal quartet sing with you. Okay. So as long as as the other two people are different, then you're okay to go. Okay. Um, and that is actually specific, or that's actually exemplified with Tony DeRosa and the lead of that 1990 quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, they go on and compete again in 1999 and 2000 um because they didn't win in 99 they should have won in 99 but they won in 2000 (laughs) um but yeah so and um there's the 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 identity of a quartet is is so vast nowadays we have people that just come out and blast your face off with amazing singing and the chords are just perfect and everything but they just stand there and sing right um we have comedy quartets Oh. Which are really funny. Yeah. Um, Comedy based on the songs that they sing, or based on the songs they sing, based on current topics, based on things that are going on in the society, based on the failures or success of another quartet. Like, oh, really? They, they just kind of pick on each other and everything. So. There's still, like, with the comedy quartets, we kind of still have a little bit of the vaudeville in them where it's, like, very campy and everything, mm-hmm. but... Do they do, like, skits uh, in front of the songs and stuff, or...? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's usually within the song, and, like, they'll change the lyrics to certain songs okay. and rearrange certain songs to make it fit to their comedic needs and everything. Right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, and it's... Uh, there's one quartet that won in 1999... Uh, that shouldn't the, have... That I don't think should should have, uh, but they're called Fred, and they were very very funny. Mm-hmm. No one knows why they were called Fred. Uh, I don't know if I think they even know why they were called Fred. They were just called Fred. It's just a name. Just just a name. Yeah. Um, and so and they sang a lot of great songs, and they were always a crowd favorite, and they would consistently get top five. And then one year they were like, "Well, this is our last year," so they sang and they won. Yeah which they shouldn't have. It sounds like they were given <clears throat> they were given the gold just cuz they had been competing as a quartet for like 15 years I think. Right. 
Because it's just, you know, nowadays the, the international competition is almost like a vacation for certain people. Because mm-hmm. um, nowadays it's a week-long competition. It oh. used to be only a little weekend. Now it's a whole week. Right. Uh, where, is, where is the major competition held? Or is it, does it change? It changes every year. Uh-huh. Uh, so this last year was actually here in Orlando. Cool. Um, I went to it for the very first time. I went to an international competition. Nice. So that was a very fun time. Um, but uh, it, it'll change. So next year is in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year was in Vegas. Um, they really like Vegas because it's everything is very compact. Sure. Um, sometimes it's in Indianapolis, in um, Pittsburgh. So it stays pretty pretty much in America, though. Yes. Yeah. It's just because the majority of the people competing are in, from America. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why. But there are also um, a lot of different international barbershop uh, societies. Right. Um, Where outside of America would you say like the best barbershop is happening? Sweden. Really? Sweden. Was not expecting that. Uh, it's actually pretty unreal. Uh, Sweden or the... Nordic, oh, uh, the the Society of Nordic Barbershop Singing. I think that's what it is. Snobs. Snobs. Yeah, that's that's how they go. <laughs> snobs. Uh, they are the they are the coolest, nicest people. They're not snobs, but they they sing so well. Yeah, they sing so well, and um, a lot of very, 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 very good quartets are coming out of Sweden. That's great, and it's becoming a a pretty big like. There's there's a resurgence of popularity itself in the in the national eye in Sweden mm-hmm. right now because of uh, the quartets there. Um, Has an international group ever won? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the first international group to ever win. I don't know if there's a specific international group that's won. There's people from other countries that have won. Right. Um, but I think the first. I mean. If you are listening to this and you're a barbershop fan, you can correct me on this if you need to. But I'm pretty sure the first actual international group to win is uh, was a group called Ringmasters from Sweden Okay. Uh, in 2012. Um, they're, they're incredible. They're yeah. Just, yeah, they're just incredible. But um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the only, or the, not the only, the first physical um, out-of-country quartet to win um another uh, quartet to win from out of country was from new zealand Mm. um, and they were called musical island boys nice and they were very good and they actually had been competing for a really really long time like 20 years as well but Mm -hmm. they uh started in, in the collegiate competition so there's uh let me okay so let me let me talk about just the international competition i'm a little scatterbrained of course so if you need to no, nope. channel me. I'm following ahead. you so far. So, in the, at the international competition nowadays, we have what I like what I like to call the big boy competition, which is just the regular quartet competitions. Mm-hmm. We have the chorus competitions, and a chorus can be between 15 to 170 guys, oh, as wow. long as there's four specific parts singing. Right. Um, so we have the chorus competition, and then the collegiate competition, which is now the youth and harmony competition. Um, so with the collegiate competition. Anybody from the age of zero to 26 can compete. So there's that. It's called the collegiate competition, but I think that's why they changed it to youth and um, harmony competition. Right. Because then a middle school quartet can compete in it. Right. Kids Um, who are zero can compete. Yeah. My seven-month-old niece could compete. Pretty good. I mean, she might need to 
you know. She's got some good overtones. She's got great overtones. She's <laughs> whenever I see her, she's screaming her face off. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the week long structure. It's like they have um, those things, and so the the course competition is just one specific. Um, everybody sings once, and then there's a champion. Mm-hmm. Collegiate competition. Everybody sings once, and there's a competition. But the big boy competition, there is the semifinal round, or the court, quarterfinal round, semifinal round, and then the finals. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't quite go to the quarterfinal rounds just because, you know, it's um, 50, you know, sometimes 60 quartets. Yeah. Um, all of them are pretty good. Uh, some of them aren't great. Um, but it's when you get to the semifinals, the top 20. Mm-hmm. is when the quartets start to get really good and then they cut they make another cut to the top 10. So you mean people don't go like physically to watch? Yeah. Is that what you yeah. mean? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. They'll go and support their friends and and whatnot to see them compete and Right. Um some of the old older barbershoppers will go and just sit there all day and watch all 55 quartets. Wow. That's kind of like how I watch baseball. Yeah. You know? Like I'll I won't watch it unless until the playoffs and only if the Rockies are in it and then all of a sudden I'll just be like okay now it's interesting right I feel like it's kind of the same thing I yeah I would I would wait say for the other people to to kind of tell you who's good and and interesting to watch and then show up for the semis and go oh, okay especially if you don't have a horse in the race if you're not like right you know if you're not like this this quartet's got to get through or right if the Colorado if the Rockies don't get through then I'm not watching it exactly so. there's no point um. Okay, so, um, sorry, I just completely derailed what you were talking about. You were saying the old-timers watch and the... Oh, yeah, the old-timers will watch the whole thing, and then, um, but it's usually the top 20, that's when every, that's when everybody's kind of filing in to come and see it. Yeah. Um, Is there something specific, because you had mentioned, like, competing for the first time, but, you, but you've been doing this for how long? How long have you actually been doing? Well, um, I think my first... My first exposure to barbershop, I was probably the, I was probably four. Mm-hmm. Um, we had just moved to Scottsbluff, Nebraska from Potter, Nebraska, which is by Sydney, Nebraska. I don't know if you know either of those. <laughs> I, yes. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, my mom was the music teacher over at Scottsbluff High School. Mm-hmm. And um, the local barbershop chorus was like, hey, we need to, uh, we need somebody to be this little football kid running around the stage for this song my mom's like sure i've got a son he can do it and i dressed up in husker gear and they sang a song called mr touchdown usa and Uh i was mr touchdown usa and they told me run just keep running across the stage and um when you hear the end of the song go to the middle of the stage and put the ball on your knee and just stand there or sit or like kneel there and I was like, all right. That's so the that, cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. You would have cried. It was amazing. <laughs> I had Tony-worthy potential then. Sure. So uh, I did that. But then a few years later, I did Winthrop in The Music Man. And that's when mm-hmm. I first started singing Barbershop. So I must have been nine when I did that. Okay. And so that's when I actually like fell in love with Barbershop. And I never actually like started singing it specifically until a junior in high school. Um, I always loved it whenever I saw a barbershop quartet, I'd like to watch them and everything, but I never sang it. Right. Um, so when I was a junior in high school, I started singing it. When I got to college, I started competing with my college quartet. Mm. Um, and I was with those guys for a while until I moved here and I still, and since I've moved here, I've lived here about five years. I haven't been able to 
keep a quartet. I get some guys that are like very interested and we come on over and we sing a little bit, but nobody really sticks. No one sticks. So, um, what, what, what got you here? Was it, was it barbershop related or was it something completely different as far as moving to Florida? Actually, yeah. Um, I moved to Florida to become a Dapper Dan. I wanted to be a Dapper Dan really bad. And, yeah. uh, my sister lives here. So, mm-hmm. um, I was going to say, cause there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity for yeah. barbershop, both at Disney and now, now at Universal mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. that must be exciting. Yeah. Um, Luckily, I was able to become a Dapper Dan two years ago, so mm-hmm. I've been able to do that for a while. And um, I was actually in the workshop cast for the Ragtime Gals for at Universal, so I got to kind of help mold and, and start that show up. Um, but yeah, so I moved here to do Barbershop, and it took a little bit to actually like do Barbershop here, but now it's, it's almost my full-time job now, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun, but... Uh, but yeah, it's 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 awesome to kind of do that. That's every great. Day. So ha- having it being something that you've been doing for basically you know most of your life, um, and now now obviously you're you're sort of you're putting groups together and you're you're teaching it. What is the approach? Because I've been you know doing improv for so long and I teach it, and and a lot of times uh, people will say, "Oh, I'd love to do that, but it just it just seems impossible. I could never do it." What is your approach as far as like? Somebody new for the first time, you know, is walking by going like, Ooh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. But I don't I don't know that I can that I can do that. Like what what are the sort of things you're looking for in a potential like barbershop singer? Um, if you can sustain a note for long enough, mm-hmm. you're in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you got a pulse and you can sustain a note. <laughs> Honestly, um, with the encouragement of barbershop, we always want to try and bring in as many barbershoppers as we can. And mm-hmm. so um, whenever I see somebody that's, that's at least interested in it, uh, I teach them a tag, mm-hmm. uh, which is the very end of that song. I uh, mentioned that earlier, but it's, if, uh, someone knows all four parts of the tag, you teach this person that part, you teach this person that part, you teach that person that part, and then you sing it together. Um, it's very quick, you know, four or five measures. Um, but the feeling I, and, and honestly, it's, it's, easy to put money on it because the feeling that anybody no matter who you are the feeling that they will get when they sing that tag yeah they'll want to do it again yeah and they'll want to do it again and again and again and it becomes uh, an obsession and it's it's kind of weird how barbershop is so niche when it's it's so grasping it'll it'll pull you in and it won't let go yeah it's pretty crazy it is a i mean it, it you know um it reminds me of um, this this story. I don't I don't tell it a lot, but it it's um, there was a there was a girl in high school, and she and I were singing. I think it was more than words by Extreme or something. <laughs> yeah, it was some song, and we got to the end of it though, and she started harmonizing with me, and there was this buzz. Yeah. That started happening. Mm-hmm. That it was just like, and I think I even like looked at her like, what the hell is going on right <laughs> now? But there was just something about, but I remember that feeling to this day of just like, whatever it was that the, our, our voices just created suddenly this buzz in the room where it was just like, we got to 
we got to do that again. Yeah. You know, there was just something about it. Um, and so, yeah, I imagine being in a group of people yeah. and having that experience where it's just like you, you, you hit that perfect harmony or those perfect notes and your voices blend and you're just like, it's electric. It's, it's very addicting and you're right. It's very electric. And like, you're absolutely right. There's a, when you get it just right, there's a buzz Yeah. that. What is that? Do you know what that is or why? Uh, honestly, I don't. I, I mean, I can't really explain it. It's just this. I assume it has to do with frequency. Yeah, it's it's some kind of frequency vibration. Um, that is almost like cocaine. Like it's just like it's just like I don't know what that was, but I need to do that again. Right. But it's it's. Can you just say barbershop is like cocaine, so I can quote you on that? Barbershop is like cocaine. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that'll, that, that will grab onto you and you won't be able to get away from it. Yeah. So when I, uh, once again, when I think of barbershop stripes, knees, shaking hats, mm-hmm. um, but there's also, um, there's, there's only like a handful of songs that in my mind go along with it. Is that, is that true or is it, is it just, or, or are groups, do you write your own songs? Do you do you source it from other places and sort of adapt it to like how do you how do you find the appropriate music for your group? So back in the day it was very like, you know, uh down by the old mill stream, down you know, down mobile, heart of my heart, heart of my heart, I love you. Yeah, uh, you know, that th- those were like the standard barbershop songs. And nowadays we call those pull cats. Um, because of the people that would stand around the barbershop pole and sing those exact songs. They mm. were polecats. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are songs that almost everybody in the whole society knows. Right. So when you get together with some guys that sing barbershop or that know barbershop, you're just like, hey, you want to sing Downmobile? Oh, okay, great. You want to say, oh, actually, I don't know that one, but you do know Heart of My Hearts? Cool, we'll sing Heart of My Heart. And so... Then you have four guys singing a whole song, that, and you've never met them before in your life. Right. It's just kind of the the common language or the common currency. Is, Absolutely. Got it. Um, but nowadays, people are arranging these songs. So now the barbershop style has been, you know, deduced down to what you need to do to make a song barbershop. Mm. And so, uh, so the championship quartet that won this year, who had a Dapper Dan in it, um, we've had. Two years of Dapper Dan Quartet. That's so. great. Ayo. Uh, Are the Dapper Dans allowed to compete, or is that is that a Disney owned kind of deal? We could, but I don't think I don't we, think would we you ever have to call will. yourself something else. No, no. Okay. Um, you could go in as the Dapper Dan. I think. I think there mm. might be some weird thing that I don't know about that right. you know that prevents it, but I think you can go in because the year before last year or last year. Tony DeRosa, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. won his fourth gold medal. Wow. And um, every single person in that group was a Dapper Dan. Okay. Yeah. But they didn't call themselves Dapper Dans. No, they were called Main Street. Oh, oh. And they dressed kind of like or in, in, the, in the idea of Dapper Dans, and they had tap shoes, and they would tap and had hats. And right. They did the whole they presentation. Did the whole they did the whole vaudevillian thing, but they did it singing impeccably. That's like, great. Just unreal. So, um, so the group that, w- that won this year uh, sang a song from a musical called "The Last Five Years." Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they took the song, uh, "The Next Ten Minutes" from "The Last Five Years," yeah. oh, and they yeah. had somebody arrange it into the barbershop style, and it's it was 
honestly probably the song of the entire contest. It's the highest scoring song of in every category for the entire contest. Wow. It was incredible and they sing it impeccably. But yeah, so it's it's really just finding songs that you like mm-hmm. um, that would fit the model of the barbershop, you know, melody line of not singing a major seven note. So to kind of, kind of going back to what makes barbershop barbershop, a major seven chord, which is uh, the root, the third, the fifth, and then the major seven, that is a big no-no in barbershop. Oh. That is a big no-no. Why is that? Um, just because it's not it's a very non-barbershop characteristic chord. Mm. Um, if you sang that chord in competition, those music nerds uh, from the music performance category or the music category like deduct points really yeah and they can hear that and they know that every single time but yeah um as long as the melody line steers clear of that major seven Mm -hmm. um you can hit it a couple times and whoever is arranging it can arrange it so that it's not a major seven chord but they try to stay clear of that so it sounds like at this point it's sort of more technically barbershop in terms of chords and yeah you know and like you said everybody's sort of singing the same words at the same time and less sort of thematically in terms of like what the song's about oh, well all right so um when it comes to what the song is about uh the competitively you're not allowed to sing about religion of any kind or or uh, national pride of any kind. It has to mm. be more or less wholesome. Like there's a wholesomeness to the music sure. when it comes to arranging for it. Um, like this last year, somebody sang uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, and it was great. I, I would, mean, they yeah. they sounded great. I would love to hear that. But it's they 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 don't want you know anything that's a little risque or anything like that you know they it's all got to be well you got kids as young as zero running around yeah uh, yeah you got to be careful you got to be they're careful gonna, what you sing about they're going to hear that and they're just going to start repeating it that, you don't in want in like that. 3 or 4 years but you know you don't want that. they remember it, well especially if they get that buzz at the end they get that buzz they're not going to forget it it's like cocaine <laughs> barbershop is like cocaine <laughs> Ooh, said it again <laughs> Um, is there anything I'm kind of I've kind of got my phone out now is there anything on like Spotify or anything that we can kind of like listen to right now to get an example I'd love to hear you like talk me through a song so honestly I wasn't sure if you if you were we're gonna be okay if I did that hell yeah if I did that we were we're gonna be here for a little bit longer yeah so I'm actually gonna go to let's do ah okay okay we're gonna do the gas house gang the gas house gang yes this this would be something that wouldn't necessarily be competitively correct, mm-hmm. uh, just because it, it is a song speaking of uh, in religious terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but the barbershop harmony is there, okay. so you're going to hear your seven chords, your tight harmony. Everybody's saying the same words. Okay. So this is goodbye world, goodbye. So they're all saying the same words. The mm-hmm. harmony is extremely tight. And, the, and that's the difference between this and Dua. The bass might be doing boom, boom, he's, but he's saying words instead of doom. Or right. And I hear, I hear what you're saying. He's saying 
he's saying actual words instead of just like boom. Yes, yeah. And this particular bass, uh, his name is Jim Henry, is considered one of the best basses in the history of barbershop. Barbershop specifically. Right. He's a good singer, though. It's kind of funny when he talks. He he talks up here. He's Does a, he really? Yeah, he's a real high talker. He's like, hey, I am in. Wow. I can imagine when he walked into the audition on the first day. Like, <laughs> I'm your new bass. <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. There's a uh, a fun little documentary about Barbershop called American Harmony. Mm-hmm. And um, with that, uh, he's on that talking about Barbershop. He has doctorates in music and everything. He works at um, Washington University mm-hmm. University in St. Louis. Okay. And um, he uh, he was talking about the overtones. And so he's like, and so when you when you sing yeah, uh, overtones, it seems it seems sounds like you're singing with the angels right there. That's so wild. Hilarious. That he's the bass. Yeah. So how um, as far as like, I mean, keeping overtones and undertones in mind, how does how does hearing a recorded version compare to like a live version? It's pretty wildly different. Yeah. Um, because even on this, there's there's probably still a little bit of um, vocal auto tune. Mm-hmm. Like tuning it so that it just sounds good, um, and also um, when you do ring a chord with a microphone, the microphone doesn't translate the information with the overtone correctly, so it'll sound distorted. Always. Oh, interesting. Yes. So if you were to just pull out your phone and record you yourself and a couple buddies singing a song, mm-hmm. um, you would not be able to hear a little bit of it if you locked correctly because the microphone would start putting or you know cutting out okay um and so you wouldn't be able to hear it but uh when it comes to live vocals Mm -hmm. um it's it's wildly different because there's just when these kind of groups sing when these top tier groups sing you know these legendary groups sing there's this ebb and flow that you really start to feel yourself kind of getting pulled and pushed yeah and you know drawn and and everything it's 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 an experience to just watch these amazing quartets live yeah um can we do another song of course we can sweet same group uh we're going to go to a different group actually okay so this group in particular is a rather recent group and uh they've been bringing in a younger audience for barbershop nowadays they're called Mm -hmm. vocal spectrum okay uh and um they do a lot of disney songs so this one we're going to do a disney song okay but um some of these big quartets and this is another group that's widely considered top five of the of all time Mm -hmm. but where are these guys from these guys are from st louis okay uh so something that makes these groups you know really popular is there's one or two guys that are really good at something in the in the um, idea of barbershop mm-hmm. or singing it or whatever, uh, there's one or two guys that are really good at those, or there's one person that's really good at one thing and they just nail it every time. Sure. So something that happens in barbershop at the end of the song with the tag, somebody will do what's called a post. Mm-hmm. So a post is when you just sing one note for as long as you can, while the other guys are moving the chord around you. Right. So in this specific quartet, um, this gentleman by the name of Tim Warwick 
holds notes for almost like a minute long. Wow. Like he, he's incredible. Longer than you would think is possible. You, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, sometimes you're like, oh, that one was only 35 seconds. It's like, okay, well, you go ahead and try that. <laughs> yeah. And get back to me on that. Right. It's, it's very difficult to do. And not only to sing for that long, but to keep the pitch for that long, mm. that's, that's probably the hardest part of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy is incredible at it. I'm going to do this, and I'm just going to go to the end. And if you're a fan of Dumbo, you'll recognize this song. I saw a peanut stand, heard a rubber band. I saw a peanut seen about everything when I see an elephant fly. So there's that buzz you hear that there. Yeah. The recording equipment's gotten a lot better since the 90s, so you can hear it a little bit. And he's still going. Yes, he is. (laughs) He's still going. And I've seen him do that live, and it's I, I'm, I, I, it's wild. Yeah. The crowd must go nuts. Oh, stand up, throw their chairs, punch old lady. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> That's insane. It, it, make, it, it just... And watching somebody do that, mm-hmm. you, you want to do that. Sure. You know? And well, it's... I mean, don't get me wrong. It sounds impossible, but he makes it sound so effortless yeah. that it's almost like... I'm, I, I'm sure it's just like, oh, I... Not, not that I'm thinking like I can do that, but it's just like it's within the re- realm of possibility. Yeah, yeah. It, you, it, seeing, you know, and it, or at least I want to try it. Not, not, and not just barbershop, but seeing anybody do anything hard and make it look easy. Yeah, makes you want to be like, oh, I could do that. Right. Seeing LeBron James, you know, charge down the court and just slam dunk like it's nothing. You're like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I guess anybody can. Anybody just can do, do that. that. Yeah. But. But that's. I mean, that's impressive. Like even just hearing that. You know, there there's a point where it becomes obscured by the other vocals, and you know, you're sort of like, oh, he must have dropped out because he needed to. No, he's still going. Still he going. He's still going. And and he's on the root of the chord. Mm-hmm. So he's on the root of the chord, and they're continuously moving the chord around the root. Right. So by the end, they're holding these tension chords and everything, and then they resolve, and you're like, how you're un, you're trying to understand how he's still in the chord singing one note yeah but he just always is yeah and he's on he's on pitch every single time so i can i mean again it's just like being you know it's it's not the same as improv right now because improv is kind of it's almost oversaturated in terms of like the public consciousness and stuff you know but it is one of those art forms where it's like when you see when you know it and you see good examples of it you just you just want to stand up and cheer and i yeah. and i imagine Barbershop being kind of like you kind of suggested, it's a little more, it's a it's a little smaller now. It's a little more like hardcore in terms of the people who engage in it are the ones who really engage in it. Mm-hmm. So when you see, when you have a room full of those people who know it, who love it, who do it themselves, and then you see an example of somebody who's just like taking it to that next level. Yeah. Even amongst all of these people who are 
who are already really good at it. I, yeah. I mean, I can imagine that it's just, it's palpable, the energy. People just go crazy for it. It's wild. And uh, like this year, uh, this this group that won this year that's saying the next 10 minutes from uh, the next five years, or mm-hmm. the last five years, um, you know, if, if you know that song, it starts with the whatever it is. <laughs> but it, they started, they start very quiet and like they kind of slowly bring in the sound and like, it's just everybody, you could hear a pin drop in the entire theater. And, right. and there's, it, and it's not a theater. It's at, it was at the Orange County Convention Center with 15,000 people right. in this massive hall. And it's just quiet. Silence. It's silent. Wow. Waiting for them to just, just, sing that one chord or you know like just sing this or that or like everybody's just right at the edge of their seat ready to experience it right you know i i just i love that something can be around for 80 100 you know 150 years whatever it's been and still there's innovation happening people are pushing the art form forward they're discovering things or they're doing things that really haven't been heard yeah you know previous to that and they you know competitively that's where people start you know that's where people really push the envelope because when you're not when you're singing a song not competitively you can do pretty much anything you want and people are just gonna be like okay yeah that sure that's fine yeah but going back a little bit to 2010 ringmasters the quartet that i told you about from sweden mm-hmm. um did a lot of Beatles music, which is fine. People have done it before, but the way that they were arranging it and the way they were singing it was groundbreaking. I really? mean, they were they were incredible. They the way that they sang it, they sang it impeccably. Mm-hmm. The chords they were singing and the and the voicing, um, the the chords that they were using were uh, pretty advanced for for some of the people, and and some of the judges didn't accept it at the time. They 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 were like that's not we don't think that's what we were about really and, and it really took and then they took a year off came back and sang pretty much the same stuff and just blew everybody out of the water right um, sorry I, I I'm looking for them on Spotify because I oh ringmasters love the Beatles and I want to see if they have any on here because I want to hear it oh they got a lot okay I'm gonna let you choose oh darling okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, right. The reason why I, I chose O'Darlin is this was a competitive song they did in 2010. Mm-hmm. And it was torn apart. People were like, no, you can't do that. You just can't do that. Really? And um, Can you walk us through why at the time it was, yeah, go ahead. wasn't working for people? Before you said So some of the some of the chords you're gonna hear, um, there were certain voicings that weren't necessarily what barbershop should be. Like this tenor was singing what the baritone should be singing, but an octave up, and the baritone was singing what should the, the tenor be singing. Mm-hmm. But the way that this quartet sang it, it still worked. Right. Any other quartet that tries to sing it, they're gonna fall flat on their face. Um, so is it is it a lot of like what you described as like the music nerds who were kind of having the problem with it? Yes, music nerds uh, specifically. Yeah. Um, but up until this point, the competition push for music was like the 
the the age that everybody's going to with music mm-hmm. when it came to competition was back to like the 50s 60s the most progressive thing at that time was like the rat pack music okay frank sinatra you know dean martin kind of stuff people would take that music and, and whatnot but nobody's nobody's moved past that nobody's moved to the beatles yet right these guys were, were singing an entirely beatles contest mm-hmm. so um and each each round you do two songs so all six songs beatles they came out with beatles so uh people weren't quite ready to just move past where they were because there was this weird it felt like we were getting out of the original barbershop by going too far right too modern right um people wanted to conserve what they knew mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's this is the transition into cuz nowadays people are doing billy joel and people are doing um uh Last other, five years, yeah, last yeah, yeah, the last five years, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they kind of opened the door to that, gave people permission. They busted the door down. Wow, people were trying to hold it close, and they just no nope. kicked it with their big old Swedish feet. So they're Michael, they're Michael J. Fox, yeah, playing the guitar for the for the high school for the high schoolers. Wow, that's exactly and it. And everybody just stood there like looking at them, like they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for but it. Their kids, their kids are gonna. Like and it. once again, it was a white guy doing black music. To great acclaim. <laughs> Your cousin. <laughs> Marvin Barry? <laughs> you know how people say their full names to their family members when they call? You don't know me? <laughs> you... <laughs> I'm Marvin Barry. Mar- not just Marvin. You wouldn't have known me if I just said your cousin Marvin. Marvin Barry? <laughs> Who's that for? That's not for Chuck. That's for Chuck. That's for us. That's for Chuck. No, it's not. (laughs) If he said, Chuck, it's your cousin Marvin, we would have been like, who's he talking to? But he said, Marvin Barry. And we all went, oh, Oh, it's Chuck Chuck Barry. Barry. Oh, he's going to play that exact song. Oh, because he heard it over the phone real quick. Over the phone in the 50s. Yeah, real clear. And he somehow memorized it. Yikes. Um... (laughs) Many problems with that scene. Um, so, so, it, so, it, so it just kind of blew the door down. Everybody kind of looked at it. After, who, so, who was ripping it apart? The the music uh, judging community, right? Of like, so just just then, um, there was a part where they just they sang a chord that doesn't necessarily sound good, but mm-hmm. it was put in for the emotion of the song, and. Not only did they kick open the door for music, but it was this performance aspect of having the music bend to your perform, like you bending the music to your performance rather than you performing with the music. Right. So, and and that comes from arranging the music the way you want it to arrange, be arranged. Mm-hmm. And the lead, I think, is the actually the person that arranged that song for them. So, they were they were pretty groundbreaking in the fact that they were arranging these songs that weren't necessarily barbershop it was it was getting too far away from what they would consider to be modern at the time right with D, with what would be modern as dean martin and frank sinatra and that getting too modern with the beatles and then also i know right uh and then also um singing these chords that don't necessarily sound great but in the 
overall performance of it, it makes complete sense. It makes you feel something. Yes. Right. So they were kind of opening the door for this change in barbershop. Yeah. And, they, and they've gone on to do a bunch of different crazy cool things. It sounds like it's a pretty close-knit community. It is. I mean, the entirety of the, of the Barbershop Harmony Society in America is still only, I mean, it's a lot of people. I think it's like 500,000 people. But still, in the, you know, the majority of it all, it's not a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's pretty tight-knit. You know this person who knows this person who knows this person. So you and that person are pretty much connected. And, and really the camaraderie of it all of barbershop in general, you basically know everybody, right? You walk up to anybody and you're like, Hey, let's sing this song or this tag. Okay. And (laughs) it's like, you've known, known him for like a year and a half. Right. But, um, and I think that's probably why it's so tight knit is because everybody's pretty much on the same page about their feelings with barbershop. Mm -hmm. If you're there, you have a feeling about barbershop. Sure. If you're not there, then you obviously have a different feeling or you don't even know about it. Right. So if you're there, you know that everybody wants to sing. Everybody's aching to just sing a, sing a tag. Everybody's aching to sing a song. Yeah. So you know everybody, basically. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so uh, while we're winding down here, let's talk about what you, what, what, what you really came to talk about. The B-sharps. So the B-sharps... Um, what did that episode do to the for the community? Anything? You know what it gave uh, it gave primetime cartoon viewers an experience that they had never experienced before. Was there a noticeable spike in in interest after that episode? Do you think or I would I would assume there was a solid spike. Yeah, because I bet people were like, well, you know, maybe these Bart B sharps have something something in common with me. <laughs> um, as a singer, yeah. Of barbershop, watching the episode. I assume you know the episode pretty well. Honestly, I've I maybe have seen them like just the clip of it, but I don't think I've ever. You've never seen, seen the episode? episode, no. Okay. And my last name Simpson. I feel like I should know every single Simpsons episode. Uh, not every. <laughs> yeah, you can stop after like season eight. It's fine. Um, but but dude, yeah, you gotta watch the B sharp the B sharp episode. First of all, it's it's uh, it's a flashback episode, mm-hmm. right? Always good. Young Homer with hair. Um, telling the story of how he joined this barbershop quartet, but it's also a weird Beatles parody um, where they almost follow the same track as the Beatles, but they happen to be singing barbershop music. Huh. So um, they they start with the original four. Oh God, Homer, Chief Wiggum, Apu, and uh, Principal Skinner. Oh yeah. And then uh, they get a manager, and see if this reminds you of any band. They get a manager. They decide that Chief Wiggum, not good enough. He's not connecting. So they, they got to kick him out. But now they need a fourth, right? Yeah. So they're sitting in the bar. They're sitting at Moe's. They're, 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 they're wondering who they're going to get. They hear this beautiful singing from the bathroom. They don't know where it's coming from. They walk in. Barney, on the floor of the bathroom. I think he's looking for a peanut or something. Yeah. Singing this song. They're like, you're in, right? So they become the biggest thing in barbershop. Um, they, they have a hit called Baby on Board, which I hope people are singing at least around the table at some of these competitions. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I, I remember it very well. But... Baby on Board. 
you'll know it now. Um, and then I believe Barney, if I remember correctly, gets a Asian girlfriend who kind of breaks up the band. Um, yeah. They fall apart, and then they do a final rooftop concert at Moe's. Um, Chief Wiggum shows up, and uh, you know who used to be part of the band, and and uh, he listens to the song before opening fire on him. So, uh, but it's <laughs> but but throughout they sing, they're they're like actually singing. Barbershop. Barbershop, and I'm and I'm I'm curious. Um, I'm curious how it actually like is, you know, in terms of like how it's received in the community, or or or, or would it even be technically not technically? Would it be considered like a good example of barbershop singing? I'd have to listen to it again. I don't think I've heard it since I was like maybe maybe like a teenager. You know what? It might be on one of the Simpsons albums. Uh, my two final questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh you, you already named some of the groups that you enjoy but 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 like in the history of it what are what are just sort of like the big who who are sort of the the, the most famous the big names that we can look out for or go you know go to in terms of like I've never listened to barbershop before I want I want to get a good example quick of of what what's available who who are we looking for uh look for the suntones uh do suntones keepsake uh gas house gang um Boston Common, Vocal Spectrum for sure, mm-hmm. Platinum. Are these all modern? Some of them are modern, some of them are older. Okay. Um, Interstate Rivals, Rap Scallions. Those are two different ones. Um, Fred for sure. You want to check out Fred? Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a big one. But yeah, those are those are probably a good place to start. Um Trying to think. Oh, uh, Crossroads. That they're very modern and they are very good. So mm-hmm. that's another one. Okay. Yeah. Check them out and enjoy that and sing if you want. Yeah. All right. So here's a. I found Baby on board. <laughs> the album that he holds up looks like Sgt. Pepper, with Homer's back toward towards the camera. This is them getting back together on the rooftop. Oh, look at that. Dressed I can't remember the last like the Beatles. Together. Last year on that stupid Dame Edna special. And a one, and a two, and a three. Boom, 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 baby on board. Yep. That's Barbershop. Wait a minute. There's nothing in here about the B-sharps. Come back here. <laughs> George Harrison? It's been done. <laughs> Pretty, huh, Chief? It sure is, Lou. It sure is. Get the tear gas. It's a That's Barbershop Harmony. Yeah? Yeah. They do it. They do it. That's great. Um, so if there was uh, one question that you wish I would have asked about or one topic that we didn't quite get to within the realm of Barbershop, um, now is your time to bring it up and talk about it for a minute. Um, all right. So real quick, I hope it's real quick. 
this is <laughs> it's it's a small grievance that I'm having right now. Okay. So there are certain there are certain groups in the history of uh, or in the in the modern history of barbershop where I would probably go ahead and start it off at 2000 and, and on mm-hmm. that have certain songs that are just almost perfect, almost perfect on the contest stage specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I am referring to specifically is in 2009. Um, there was a quartet by the name of Crossroads that sang a song called um, "Roll Around Heaven All Day." Uh, now this, this was something I, I, I always talk to about people when it comes to barbershop and it's because one, I'm very passionate about this topic Sure. and, um, well this topic specifically, not just barbershop, oh, okay. all of it over and all, but this specific thing about <laughs> barbershop, I'm very, I'm very passionate about, mm-hmm. um, that is widely considered the greatest song ever sang at a barbershop convention ever. Is which one? Uh, roll around heaven all day. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and there's many live recordings of it and it just sounds like if you were to be there, it sounds, you feel the same way from the recording. Mm-hmm. But with some of these newer era quartets and by newer era, I mean, 2015 and on, um, the scoring has kind of been curved a bit and now people are scoring higher where, um, this other quartet by the name of Signature who are not bad by any means. They're very good. Saying, uh, last year saying, uh, Dance With My Father. Um, you know that song? I think so. Um, yeah. If I could have this one more dance. I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they sang Dance With My Father and they, um, going back, Roll Around Heaven scored a 95%. Mm-hmm. So the amount of points you get, they scored 95% of them. And then Signature came along and they scored a 97 so uh, a lot of people are now le- now considering, oh, well, that's obviously, because of the score, that's obviously the greatest song ever sang in a contest. Right. So my grievance is if you played them back to back, if you watched one and then watched the other, and I usually when I present this to people, I just tell them to listen to it and then I, and then I do this explanation because I don't want them, I don't want myself to give them an idea before they get there. Right. You don't want to bias them. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I want other people to understand that I'm not trying to persuade you into it. It's actually not as good. Sure. Uh, so they sing it. They sing Dance With My Father. It is very good. But it's it's something something else with Barbershop is blend. Blending with each other. You don't want to just hear a, the baritone out of nowhere. You don't want to hear the bass out of nowhere. You don't want to hear the group. And so their blend is all over the place. But with Roll Around Heaven... It sounds it sounds auto tuned. Mm. It's just perfect. Right. That's my one grievance. I don't know. So would you put the would you put the other one, the dance with my father, in? I mean, top three, top five, no. not even close. No. Okay. The group as a whole this year they came back and competed because they got second last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they came back and competed, and they did a lot better. Their blend is a lot better. But last year, it, I, I don't think that song would have even got them in the top like seven. A few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Grading on a curve, man. Things are getting simpler. Yeah. Ugh. What can you say? Might as well just go ahead and put a quartet together and sing half ass like that. Maybe Ugh. I could win. I'm going to call up my cousin, Marvin Barry. Marvin Barry. 
<laughs> and we're going to do it. Um, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming out. It's clear that you're passionate about this, and I do appreciate you coming thank, out. And, thank and, you. And unloading all of this knowledge on us. It, I unloaded a lot. I'm so, I, like, there, was a, there was a time where I was like, oh, I've been speaking for like 35 minutes. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It, it's less for me to do. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you again. And hopefully you enjoyed this. Go check out some of these bands um, what, or, or groups. What are you? Are you in a group right now? I'm not. Outside of Ragtime Gals? And no, I wish I was. Dapper Dan. I, I, I keep trying to get people to get interested enough to... Right. Well, if you're in the Orlando or surrounding area and you want to do some barbershop, let me know. Reach out. We'll get Zach on the way. And... Uh, and uh, you guys can form a group. So, uh, anyway, um, once again, have a great night. Thank you so much. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Thank you. What Am I Missing is edited, produced, and hosted by me, Brett Walden, with original music by Anthony Smith. Special thanks to Zachary Simpson, if for nothing else, letting me describe an entire Simpsons episode to him beat by excruciating beat. If you would like to know more about me or listen to past episodes, you can find it all on facebook.com slash whatamimissingpod. If you have any questions, comments, or curses about anything you heard today, you can email me at whatamimissingpodcast at gmail.com. Please make sure to rate us on whatever app you choose to listen to podcasts on and tell your friends about us. Pretty please. Now, here is a preview of next week's episode. For those of you who don't know, the Mr. Toad ride, the, the quick plot of that is Mr. Toad gets motor mania, which is caused by breathing in the exhaust fumes from a car, decides to drive the car recklessly, um, gets drunk, crashes, gets uh, and goes to hell. And so he dies in the ride. You die. You are Mr. Toad in the ride, and you die. And you go. The last scene of the ride is, is the devil. Thanks for listening.